Hello and welcome to the Can't Blue podcast. It's the Monday show on a Tuesday this week. Uh, I was ill on Monday, very ill. Uh, no one wants to hear about the details. Uh, I'm feeling much better today though. Matt, how are you feeling? I'm all right. I mean, if, if this is you feeling much better and we've had to postpone for 10 minutes because your nose has been pouring me blood, then uh, yeah. I'll with you. You fall into bits. I don't know, turned 28, didn't I, a couple of weeks ago, and I've, I've, my body's breaking down. Just before we're about to start this, I've, my nose is streaming of blood. Uh, the little bathroom next door looks like a crime scene, which I do need to tidy up at some point. But I'm feeling good, happy to be here talking about Aston Villa. I was going to say winning football matches. It feels like every week we do the podcast, we've won, but we didn't win this week. A uh, 2-2 draw with Bournemouth. And we're gonna, not going to get stuck into that too much. We did a post-match show on Sunday. Me and Frankie Maguire uh, spoke through the game. Obviously, if we'd have filmed this on the Monday, we do look back at the game in a bit more detail. But, you know, everyone's looking ahead to Man City now, aren't they? Which is uh, tomorrow as this video comes out. So we're going to do a Q&A this afternoon and we'll, we'll keep it a little bit brief, I think, because there's such a short shelf life between this and the Man City game. Quickly, on the Bournemouth game though, Matt, was that a good point, do you think? I think it was ultimately. It's hard to find kind of, I don't know, chinks in Unai Emery's armour, but, you know... If we're being being hypercritical, it probably is. You know, some of the some of the away forms, some of the away performances. But the fact that we still, I was going to say, in nosebleed territory, then um, towards the uh, towards the top end of the table, I don't think we can be too critical. And we also know that the manager will find a way. He's not naive, and I think I saw um, a tweet from from the lad who covers Villa from the Athletic yesterday, um, Jacob, saying that Bournemouth deliberately loaded. The side that our kind of right hand side of the pitch because yeah. then obviously identified that as a weakness. So I think we've said before, haven't we, that I don't know, you know, Matty Cash probably needed <laughs> without digging him out, we probably do need an upgrade on Matty Cash going forward. And is that Esri Conza's best position playing playing in the fullback area? So these are minor details for me, Dan. I think I think if we we're going to start to be super picky, I think we need to need to realise how early in this project, this this revamp project, we are from from Moonai Emery and, and, and trust him to to fix these kind of little glitches along the way. Yeah, and we just said, didn't we? It's four points and two tricky away games, and we've won in Europe as well. In between those, to go away to Spurs and win get through that European game and win and draw away at Bournemouth. Yes, draw away at Bournemouth doesn't sound great, but in the context of the game, we were losing twice. Like if you'd have said before the game, would you take a point? I think most people would have said no. We were losing heading into the 90th minute. You absolutely take a point in that situation. That's a good point in that. In that. I've seen uh, Dan Bardell tweet this, and it was a great point. And he had so many people go back against him saying, what do you mean? It's a good point. We, we've dropped points against Bournemouth. We were losing till the very end of the game. That is a good point. Yeah, and I think I think being able to salvage something that late in the game is is a quality in itself as well to show that resilience and to. How many times have Man United know, done things like that in years gone by? Just got got well, a point or got got the three points out of nowhere. Well, that's it, and it's that kind of never never say die that that Villa back themselves. You know, we've seen it when we've had to kind of work harder for victories that that we've had to be patient for. I think it's it's a sign that Villa back themselves to to get results in all circumstances, really. Let's get into these questions then. Uh, from Janislav Pushkin on Twitter, who says, the biggest impact of Kamara's absence is moving McGinn further back. Uh, I've got hideous fever dreams of Gerard's days of John McGinn playing deep. Uh, I want to love Zaniolo, but I'm not convinced yet we need Jacob Ramsey to get up to speed with Zaniolo coming off the bench. What is your ideal lineup for the City or Arsenal game? Now, not really a question that first part, but just about um, Kamara's absence, which I think we we did really miss him. If you were picking a lineup for Man City, though, would you start somebody like Jacob Ramsey now? Would you start someone like Moreno? You've picked two of my favourites there, so it's I'd, I'd probably be rushing them back more than more than any other because 
I like I like most of this team to be honest. Um, they're doing great things. Oh, oh, most of this team. Who don't you like? That's what I want to know about. All of this team, I like. I like all of this team. Um, I'd get them both, both in the team. I think they bring bring an energy. I think they bring a different a different dimension to us. You know, we've we know that that Emery likes to kind of play through the play play through the stages of the team, if you like. But I think those two are, are, are two of our. I don't think we've got too many ball carriers, to be honest, who are prepared to to run with the ball and and, and go at people. Whether doing that against Manchester City is a wise a wise strategy, I don't know. But uh, I think you need to put your best players in, and I'd include I'd include those two, even though we've done great things without them so far this season. I'd, I'd definitely include include those two as two of our best players. Mm, I think I'd definitely be starting Ramsey if he's fit enough to start, which I think he probably should be at this stage. I'm sure about Moreno because Dean Dean has done very well. I think, we'll come on to Man City a little bit later. Uh, I just want to go into into Zaniolo a little bit more for the, a question from David. He said, Zaniolo, is he good enough? Like most Villa fans, I desperately want him to be, but he's not producing so far. 16 or so games now, no goals, no assists. Gives the ball away far too easily. His shooting has been awful. Uh, what have you made of Zaniolo so far, Matt? It's a high bar, I think, at the moment to be in that Aston Villa team. And in the attacking areas, we've seen Bailey kick on. Um, mm. We've seen DRB be what we wanted him to be, I think, and uh, what we what we hoped he'd be and probably be responsible for, for not only his own form, but, but Bailey kicking on as well. We've seen Ollie Watkins go from, from strength to strength. Uh, and we've seen a midfield that's pretty much set when everybody's fit and available. So you've got to come into that team and do something special to stay mm. in that team. And I don't know whether Zaniolo, whether it's a crisis of confidence, because for the stats that you've mentioned there, that will be playing on his mind, that he hasn't scored his first goal yet, that he hasn't kind of really made that that goal contribution, if you like. I'm, I'm with the, uh, was it David, did you say, who asked the question? Mm. I'm with David, that I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for him to, to do well. Because I think I think there is there is a player in there, but yeah. the longer it goes, the more that's going to play on his mind. Um, and I don't think Villa, with what we what we're trying to challenge for at the moment, you know, trying to really push as high up the league as possible, trying to, you know, go as far as we can in Europe. I don't think we can afford to carry people at the no. moment. Uh, I think Emery said, didn't he, post match that he needs to give Zaniolo minutes and he he needs to try and bring him up to speed <laughs> if there's better players. In reserve now. Now we have got the the likes of Ramsey coming back. Then I think his chances are going to be going to be limited. Yeah, and when he comes off the bench, he's, he's got to come on and do something which probably doesn't really work in his favour because he, he does seem to be putting himself under a lot of pressure. And I said this weeks ago or months ago, if not on the podcast, where he first came into the team, that I said he looked like he was trying too hard to, to impress. And I got a bit of kickback from that saying, you know, give him time. And here we are, what, 15, 16 games later, and he still hasn't scored or, or assisted. And I know it's not all about that, but in this team where goals come from pretty much anywhere, to not have registered a goal contribution in that time is a concern. It's interesting to see whether he will have enough about him to get that first goal, that first assist, and then will he then push on from that? Um, but the longer it goes on, the more this is a talking point. And I don't want to be here in a month's time saying, well, it's 25 games now without a goal for Zaniolo. Do we send him back to Galatasaray? Do we cut this loan short? Do we replace him? Like, I want him to kick on as well. And there's loads of games coming up in December. And if he is to kick on, this is the time to do it. I think that moment could spark him though, Dan, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. if he, you know, it's the cliche it, of a ball bouncing off your backside or whatever. I think if he got that positive moment, I think it would just lift that weight off his shoulders. 
Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed he scores the winner um, coming off the bench on, on Wednesday night. I'm going to put two questions into one here from Matt and Patrick. Uh, Matt says, can Villa get top six defending like this away from home? We've got away with a few results now, Bournemouth, Spurs and Chelsea. Surely we need to tighten up. And Patrick says, the defence and our inability to keep clean sheets, please, as in discuss that. Uh, does Emery need to think about a change in tactics? Now, who are we to suggest that Emery needs to change his tactics? It's it's obviously a concern. And I think that it's probably been, I don't know, papered over some of the cracks a little bit by the fact that we've been prolific goal scorers scored in pretty much every game. You know, if you look at the the higher echelons of the division, we probably have got the worst goals against record out of the top, top six or seven teams, I think. Can see him just checking here now. Yeah, we've conceded, conceded, 20 goals this season from our 14 and that that puts us level with Spurs with the the worst the worst amount of, the most amount of goals conceded in in the top 7 so we we do seem more susceptible to conceding goals on the road you know he he does does seem to like the switch doesn't he in terms of Carlos coming in mm-hmm. um and and Conza moving to to right back I mean, I presume he's doing that <laughs> to try and try and solidify us. Um, do you know what yeah. I mean? Almost to have have an extra centre half in there and to make us more more stubborn and resilient. But it, it just doesn't seem to be achieving that, does it? Yeah, there's a comment from from Ratty Gar who said, "Question: Why away from home do we bring in Carlos when he causes the defence to be out of sync? We haven't played well away despite the results. Yet at home, we're very convincing, and Carlos is not in the starting lineup. I just want us to play our normal back four and be comfortable." I mean, Emery is, like you say, is obviously doing it for a reason and we want to build up in a certain way with, with three at the back. So I, I kind of get why we do it. I understand why what, what the intention is. But it doesn't, as much as I like Carlos as a, as a player and as, as an individual, just doesn't seem to work at the moment. He, he looks good in the European games, but obviously that's a lesser standard than going, going away in the Premier League. And you do kind of think, are we changing things for change's sake to play like one style of play at home and then a different style away, a different style of play away from home. Why not just do what you're doing at home when what you're doing at home is working? But we know that Emery treats home games and away games very differently. So we've got decent results on the road this year. So I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to be too critical of that we're not very good away. I think that was something that was thrown around earlier in the season that our, our away form is terrible. It's not terrible. It's actually... Okay, I can hear baby crying. By the way, I don't know if the mic can pick that up. Um, it's not terrible our away form, but probably the performances don't match the, some of the results that we've had, and I can see that that's where some of the concern comes from. I think it's a useful, a useful reminder, Dan, because yes, we got spanked at Newcastle and we got you know a, a decent beating uh, at Liverpool, but we've gone to some, you know, we've we've won at Chelsea, haven't we? Just, just reminding myself here, you know, we we've, we've we've won at Burnley. Um, we've won at Spurs, obviously. Um, if I had to show you the away Premier League table, where do you think Villa would place on that their away form? Just guessing the fact that we we we're in the the top four for the for the main table, and the fact that listen, I know our, our home form has been absolutely ridiculously remarkable, but I'd still say say we're in the top six or seven. Well, yeah, you've kind of scuppered that a little bit because I was expecting you to say lower. Uh, interestingly, for the home form table, we're only fourth. I expected us to be slightly higher than that. For the away table, we're seventh, uh, played eight, 
won three, drawn two, lost three. And those three defeats, uh, as you mentioned, two of them are, are Liverpool and Newcastle in the first couple of weeks. So I think with, there's this there's this um, desire to be like, oh, Villa are, are, are terrible on the road, which sometimes it might feel like that, but we're not really. If we were saying that we're 15th or 16th in that table away from home, for example, Newcastle are 15th away from home, only five points they've picked up on the road. You know, you then maybe think there's a, a little bit more cause for concern there, but to be seventh away from home and fourth at home and fourth overall, if you combine the two, keep that tick along as best we can. But I do understand that because the performances aren't always brilliant away from home, can that be sustainable? Possibly not, but so far it has been. And let's hope that it, it continues that way. I think what we need to remember as well is that defence... Um, Toro Mings was the mainstay of that defence. You know, we lost him on the opening day of the, day of the season. Uh, our regular left-back from from the back half of last season, Moreno's only just returned to fitness. You know, we've got Pau Torres and Diego Carlos, who are clearly a really high pedigree of player. But between them, they haven't got that many, even, you know, they mm. haven't got that, that much Premier League experience. So that they're kind of feeling their way in. Uh, and I think Unai Emery... And the way he's tried to rebuild Aston Villa has created that sense of expectation. And he's put us in that bracket where we are starting to believe. So we probably are judging judging our team by those standards now of what you need to be to be a Champions League team. But we've got to remember that for, for that team, the journey it's been on in the last 18 months to expect them to be the finished article. Uh, this is still this is still a process. And mm. the process is going to have a few blips along the way. The fact that those blips are so few and far between is he's, he's credit to the job he's done. Um, but those blips will still come and we've just got to kind of roll with the punches. Another question here. This is from Janislav again. Two questions for Janislav in this episode. So um, fair play. Uh, question for Matt and no one else. Brackets for obvious reasons because I'm not as old as Matt, of course. Uh, which is Obviously. your favourite header? Which is your favourite header? Ollie Watkins against Bournemouth or David Platt versus Everton, the 6-2 in 1989. For me, it's Platt by a whisker, but both absolute beauties. Now, I could probably go and find that and have a look at it, but I don't know what that goal is off the top of my head, um, which is the better of the two, Matt. I did see this question on Twitter the other night, so I have I have gone away and done a bit of bit of prep. Um, and that goal, I mean, that was a fantastic a fantastic game. That was, we won 6-2, I think it was Bonfire Night. Um, what year did he say, 1989? 1989, yeah. I've just found a YouTube video that is seven minutes long, so I'm going to quickly find the goal as you talk. Yeah, I think it's probably within the first two minutes of that because I probably watched it the other day. Uh, it's a ball from, ball from Cowens, I think, from the uh, out from the left, and he just, Platt just kind of times his run perfectly and has to, not quite... Watkins style but has to adjust, adjust his body shape I think and extend his neck muscles to, to redirect the ball um, yeah no I've just seen it decently. so it's um, it's a really difficult one that mm. is because I think I think Janice Laff's tried to stitch me up there because he knows Platt's my favourite player uh, I, I'm going to go Watkins um, for the reason that Watkins surprised, surprised me this season with the variety mm. and standard of some of his finishing listen he's missed he's missed easy chances but Strikers do miss miss chances, but that I love that how how when you can redirect a, a, a header kind of mid flight. I think that's uh, 
that's quite a skill. And mm. you know, it was, intelligent think, as well. I thought, like, because the way that Diaby's put the ball in, like in swinging, uh, Watkins knows he's only got to get a glance on it really to just keep it going the way it's going. Yeah. He doesn't need to like, redirect it to the other corner or anything. So to like, have all that going on in your head in that split second and, and adjust your body and the ball's actually behind you, uh, really intelligent, really clever finish. Yeah, I think I think that's quite a skill, and I think you know who knows what's going to happen at Villa Park in the next four or five days. But I do think that was an important goal to keep mm. keep some kind to maintain the momentum going into yeah, yeah. two big games. So um yeah, sorry Platy, but I'll um I'll you know I'll give it Watkins on that one. Oh, we've got a quick fire nonsense one here before we get back into some football bits. Can you inform us how the soup was on Thursday night? How was your midnight feast of soup after the uh, the European game? It was wet and warm. Um it, uh, <laughs> oh, it sounds it, lovely. It, it did the trick. I'm not normally a, a midnight soup snacker. But it just was cold. Just you know, you need your bones thawing out after after a cold night at the football. So uh, actually, it's a good point. I might have to go and get a couple of tins. Get a couple of tins in for um, yeah, so rock and roll. And I get a couple of tinnies <laughs> in for a um, bit of minestrone. What's your what's your favourite soup of choice, Dan? Oh, that's a cracking question. There's um, they do a chicken noodle at um, at Sainsbury's that I quite like. But I'd probably go for like an oxtail, like a, like a meaty. Yeah kind of flavour if I'm going to go for a soup. I don't like minestrone. My partner really likes that. Tomato is pretty standard. I don't like too many like bits. So you've got like a chunky vegetable or something. Yeah. Like I think soup should be liquidy and I can just swallow it. So yeah. it's not full of bits. That, that really puts me off. I don't like like bits in juice and stuff like that either for the same reason. If I'm drinking an orange juice, I expect it to be smooth. So if it's got bits, I'm like, oh, this isn't a drink. It's now food. See, I can, I can lurch from one to the other. I can either have a nice kind of chunky kind of meat and vegetable soup or just a smooth you know a, a smooth chicken soup or a smooth mushroom <laughs> soup anyway <laughs> i've had a quick break there i've uh, refilled my cup of tea and it's time to go back to the football questions and not questions about soup this one's from office elf and i'll give you a bit of context before um before i ask this one so in the post-match show me and frankie were talking about the man city and arsenal games coming up and like a, a points total for how how much we think villa will get and how much we'd like villa to get and obviously we'd, we'd like villa to get six points but i asked him like is that impossible for villa to get six points out of man city and arsenal given who they are uh, i think in the end we settled on a couple of points would be very good. Even one point would probably be very good. Some people are, are expecting us to lose both and maybe three hits. So Office Elf says, Hi Dan and Frankie, slash Matt. Uh, the predicted points bit in the last podcast, you both thought about it from our point of view, as in two points drawing both from those two games would, would be good for Villa. Can we flip that and look at it that Man City and Arsenal will drop points if they only draw to Villa when everyone's expecting them to win. Do you think that's a more positive way of looking at it? That if we take points off them, they're also dropping points. Well, in the in the sense that a draw, two draws would be good because it would be good for us. But Man City and Arsenal would look at that as drop points because they'd yeah, probably be yeah, expecting yeah. to win. So is he suggesting don't get too greedy and? Two points from six, given our usual return from Villa Park, might sound disappointing. <laughs> but not only do we pick up a point, but we frustrate our title mm. rivals. Is that the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. I love that, title rivals. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Message? I am greedy, though. I want us to take a minimum of three points. Mm. I, want I, think, I, think, I think we can get three points. That's the target I'm going with. I think we can, I think we can win one of those. Yeah, I wouldn't like to say which one. Uh, and if it's the first one... I want us to get six points. <laughs> I'm just, 
listen, I'm not not unique in this with Villa fans, but I'm I'm buzzing about turning up at Villa Park every week or or every other week, and you know to have these two games in the space of four days of each other, and to go there thinking we can be competitive. I don't think it'd be a big, you know, it's not it's not going to be a, a an FA Cup giant killing if we beat either of them or if we beat both of them because. This is the bracket in which we're we're competing now, and we we're new to it, aren't we? When Liverpool play Manchester City, or or you know when Arsenal play Manchester City and stuff, we're coming at this from a kind of oh, this is kind of this is kind of new and exciting. But we've earned the right to yeah. go into these games with with confidence. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'd be disappointed, and this just shows me how I've just developed deluns of grandeur. Uh, in the space of eighteen months, I'd be disappointed if we take less than less than three points because I think it's a real chance for us oh. to to make a statement and to go and really? go and beat. Yeah, I, I do. I, I really do. I think we Villa Park. You know, cliche alert. Villa Park has become a fortress, but it's become a fortress in a way where I think a little bit of complacency is too 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 harsh a word. But I think as a as a as a fan base we turn up at villa park and expecting to expect to win so i don't think we need to do as much as our players normally do in terms mm. of fans i think these games both under the floodlights both under both against teams with real kind of ambitions and designs on on the title i think that the the atmosphere is going to crank up another notch and i'd be interested to see what what that does for us in terms of our of our performance levels. I think it would be a very interesting dynamic if we were to beat Man City first, because then you'd go into Arsenal thinking, we've already beat the best side in the league, so we can beat these as well. And and that, that atmosphere would be even even greater than the City one. I think to say that I would be disappointed with anything less than three points would be, I don't think I can quite get on board with that. I know we've, we're so good at Villa Park. I do think we, we will come away with three points. I think I think we'll be at Arsenal. Is, is my prediction. I think we I think we might lose to City and beat Arsenal. But even if we got a point and we drew one and lost one, or we drew both, I still think that's really good considering that the the level of the opposition. The pressure is different for someone like when Arsenal play Man City or Liverpool play Man City. That if that if they lose, they've lost ground on a title rival. We're not going to be winning the title this year, as much as it pains me to say it. So losing to Man City or Arsenal isn't the end so of the world. We might have blown the title in December because we've lost to our, to our title rival already. We can still finish in the top four this year, even if we lose both games this year, this, this week. I don't think I can say I'd be disappointed if we didn't get any any less than three points. I think we'll get three. I think we'll beat one of them. But even if we got even if we got a draw and lost one, I still think that's okay because I I am kind of of the mindset that it's a bit of a free hit to to an extent. I don't really ever agree with that phrase because every game is important. I don't know. I think it'd be interesting to open that up to the comments and see what what pe- what people think. I expect most realistic Villa fans would still be looking at this, and despite our our form and despite our form at home, we'll be thinking we'll do well to get a point out of either of those. Can I ask you a, a follow-up question to that? Listen, I probably am in kind of fantasy fantasy territory here, but if we won both, okay, what would that do for your belief and your thoughts about what this season can become? You know, listen, it's it's a massive hypothetical that is probably beyond the realms of possibility, but would that open up your mind to possibilities? Mind you, I think you were saying as early as... May or May or June that we were going to finish in the Champions League, so you're not a new convert to this. But what 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 would it do to you? Mm, are you asking me? Do I think we can win the title if we if we win these next two? Possibly, yeah. Do 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 you, do you think that 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 
almost reinforces our, our, our status as contenders, I suppose, is the question. I think you need a different level to win the title that Villa don't have yet. That kind of, I mean, Leicester obviously did it, didn't they, out of nowhere and, and, and haven't done it before, uh, won the Premier League before. So it can be done, I guess, but that's one case. I saw a tweet, I don't know whether it was last week or the week before, that Leicester in the year they won the title had something like 28 points at this stage of the season, which is what Villa had. Is it 28? Yeah, we're 29 now, so it must have been last week. So it's kind of like, well, we're, we're on par with Leicester on, on, the, on the year they won the title. But the big, the big clubs that year dropped off, didn't they? And, and and opened up an opportunity for Leicester to go in and win it. I don't think that's the case this year. That you've got Arsenal, Liverpool, and Man City are the, are the title contenders. I know we're a point behind Man City, so if Man City are a title contender, so are we. But I, I just don't, I just don't see it like that. I don't think we've got the the capability to actually do it over the course of. Oh, I'm tying myself in a knot here because we have done it over the course of a calendar year, which is 38 games. So, not to be title level level, but you know. A couple of points behind it but I think this year specifically as we get further into the, the Europa Conference League and how that, that affects us I don't think we've got enough to have a sustained push on a title I think if we were to win these next two games which is what your question was you're right I said in the summer I think we'll finish in the Champions League places I think if we were to win these two this week I'd be at the moment I'm like yeah Villa can get top four and I think they might if we win these two next week I think I'd say we definitely would finishing the top four, I think that we've shown capabilities that we're, we're good enough to be at least the fourth best team in the league. I just don't know if I can buy into the fact that Villa can be a title contender, but maybe that's just me being pessimist, pessimistic. If Leicester can do it, I suppose anyone can do it. Some, I still think there's something Villa don't have that a Premier League title winner has. What's that, a Premier League title? I don't know. Oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I don't know. I just don't we'll lose both anyway. It's all academic. We'll lose both. So let's not get carried away. Well, I mean, you're obviously the the, the pessimist of the, of the channel. Um, what title that is? Would would you um would you change your assessment on on this if we were to win both? I think I'd probably still be too drunk to uh to uh to comprehend it all. I still, you know, I am the pessimist of the channel, which I think is on my um on my LinkedIn profile. Um, <laughs> I still would still fear. <laughs> Dan, you know me. We could be ten points clear at the top, top of the division, you know, with with one game left to play, uh, and I'd still think that there'd be some kind of um, sting in the tail. I do think it would go go a long way towards cementing a, a, a top four finish, but mm. we're not at the halfway stage yet, are we? You know, we're only just beyond the, the the third way stage, if you like. So there's a lot a lot of games to to go after that, but I just think, you know, what a what a statement it would be. Uh, even beating one of them, Dan, I think it'd be a massive statement that we, that we, you know, we we feel feel that we belong there and we feel that we can compete there. Okay, let's move on to another question on a similar vein, really, from Graham, who says, "This time next week, Villa will be in second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. Where do you think we'll be this time next week?" So two wins will get us to to thirty five points, which I don't think would uh, put us top because I think Arsenal will win win. A game, probably where we are. Yeah, that's what I think. I think we'll still be where we are. <laughs> Hedge me bets fourth, just just the kind of measly fourth, Dan. To be honest, yeah, well, so. it's it's okay, isn't it? I suppose. Uh, here's one I think we can probably get through pretty quickly from Sean, who says, with all the talk of top five being the Champions League places, can you discuss the very real possibility that Man City are docked points and potentially banned from Europe? Would the next English team get the spot effectively so sixth could make Champions League this season? Now, quickly, I don't think if there, if there was to be a ban on somebody in the top four getting into the Champions League that they would extend 
the Champions League down a place. I, I don't think they would do that. Uh, I might be wrong. The second point, I don't think Man City will be found guilty in dot points and banned from Europe. They might be, but I don't think it'll be as soon as this season. So I don't think it will have any impact on this year, sadly. In the future, maybe Man City are banned from UEFA competitions and that allows Villa to sneak in there or they're given a 20-point um, point docking during a season, which would still probably put them up in the top six anyway, given how relentless they are. Um, but I just, I, if that is to happen, I don't think it'll be this season. So I don't think it's relevant at the moment to discuss it really no I agree that if that punishment is forthcoming I think it, it might be might be a while yet but and I think very very kind of Unai Emery like you've got to control the controllables you've got to you've got to influence what what you can influence yourself I think if, if Villa allow that and I don't think they will do Villa allow that to creep in that there might be a safety net if you finish this position or this position then I don't think it keeps you as competitive as you need to be so I think Villa have shown, albeit a narrow sample. Well, it's not a narrow sample because, like you say, they've done it across a calendar year. But Villa have, have, have shown that they can be in that top four with the, the ability and the mentality that, that that they've got as a team. Uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about any kind of potential loopholes. I'd just try and see what we need to do to to maintain this form to to mm. stay at least fourth. Field 83 says, it's been 10 years since we beat Man City at home in the Premier League. That's the the famous Andy Vyman goal celebration, isn't it? Is it 3-2, I think? Um, what are our chances on Wednesday with Man City having no Rodri or Grealish available? I think Doku is injured as well. Um, Rodri is a huge miss, isn't he? I think he was sent off against Forest. Uh, Man City lost the next two games against Wolves and I can't remember the other. Um, he is a huge loss when, when he doesn't play. They are totally different. Also, as a bit of a side point, I feel like Rodri scores against us every time he, every time he plays. So there's that as well. To him missing, Grealish obviously picked up his fifth yellow card as well and he'll miss the game, uh, which I saw people sound like he's got sort of bottled coming back to Villa Park. So I've got a cheeky, cheeky yellow card to get suspended, which I thought was funny. And Docker has, has also been very good this season as well. Um, so to be without those is definitely a plus for Villa, but they're still Manchester City. They're still very, very good. And this is still going to be a really difficult game. Probably a little bit like the Spurs game. If there was ever, ever a time to beat Man City, it's now, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, and I I do think you know they've had a, a couple of blips, but I do think before long Man City will just crank back into that kind of machine. Like yeah, they'll win twelve games in a row or something yeah. and, and run away with it. Yeah, yeah. So it's only a matter of time before they just kind of start trampling trampling over the rest of the division again quite consistently. I don't know. I don't don't want to kind of build it build it up too much, but I just do think I think the crowd can play can play a a, a really big big part in it I've become so blase about winning at Villa Park that this this feels like the first big match of the season <laughs> that that's a ridiculous a ridiculous thing to say because we've you know we're playing some brilliant football and winning football consistently in the Premier League in Europe at Villa Park but I just think it has the the real hallmarks of a of a, of a game where we can you know pretty it might it might be that we we can that the crowd can make a difference, and that's a massive, a massive cliche. But um, I don't know. I'm just I'm just I'm just buzzing about it. Um, in terms of ten years since we beat Man City, not really a, a massive surprise. I don't think. Um, in terms of you know we had three years outside of the division when we when we didn't didn't play them. For a lot of the other times we've been kind of also runs in the Premier League, but. In, 
protected against relegation. So listen, I'm not I'm not suggesting that we're now kind of on on a level with Manchester City. They're the treble winners, you know. They're the right the the reigning treble treble winners. Mm. But I do think this is the the first time that we've we've been able to go to go toe to toe with them on a more equal footing than for a long, long time, to be honest. Probably yeah. back to the O'Neill days when, you know, you got kind of Stephen Ireland and Shaw Wright, Wright Phillips and, and and that, and we were going to going to the Etihad, Etihad and we were, you know, there was that battle, I think, wasn't there? Was there a, a three-way battle potentially with us Spurs and, and, yeah. and Man City to try and try and crack the elite, and we were the ones who, who missed out? I think it's the first time since then. So you're talking 15, 13, 13 years ago. But yeah, I think I don't know, Dan. I'm I'm getting nervous now. I don't don't normally get nervous, but I've got a little. About ten minutes ago, you were saying we're going to beat them. I know. I've taught myself the little butterflies now. I need some soup. <laughs> Calm me down. A couple of uh, non-football questions, I suppose, to end the show very quickly. Uh, Jamie Weaver says, "What do you think the club will do with the shirts next season? It's 150 year anniversary. Do we bring back a vintage design, or do we go for something one-off? Obviously, we'll have." Something different with the badge, won't we, next year? Because the round badge won't be here. Uh, do, you, do you have any insight on what we could do with the shirts? Do we go back to something retro or, or do we go one-off? I am a big fan of the retro. I'm, my son's managed to nab more, you know, the little kind of drawstring. Could do with uh, do with one of them being bought out so I can claim claim a shirt back for myself. I don't know, really. Is there any? I'm I'm so ignorant to all this, Dan. Is there any any word on the on the crest yet? Is there, is no, any... there's the, there's the survey done, wasn't there, over the last I don't know, month or so, six weeks. Uh, but there's been nothing nothing since then. No developments. I mean, you've got this weird scenario where you could change the club badge in terms of what ref, what, what represents Aston Villa. But when you have like the something as big as a 100 year anniversary or 150, sometimes you have a different badge that year as well. Do you know what I mean? So, like, you could have this thing where we have a new badge, have a third badge and then another badge, yeah, for the kits for it to be the 150 years, which would be mad. When you talk retro kits, I suppose people are meaning to go right back to the kind of thing we started with, but I just don't think those 150-year-old uh, designs would work in, in the modern day. And I don't know if people would like something as simple as you had back then. See, I think they're missing the trick by not having kind of sew on your own badge, kind of uh, release about 20 <laughs> different badges. <laughs> yeah, and just stick your stick your own on to be honest the last two questions are christmas related we are in december now i think it's 20 days till christmas so i suppose we're allowed to talk about it now uh wayne brown says oh, i don't agree with this at all he says are you allowed to have curry on christmas day yes or no i have had curry on christmas day but that's because i've gone yeah. out christmas that's because i've gone out christmas eve and i'm still out uh you know no, that doesn't count uh, <laughs> <laughs> it answers the question. No, I think I think you're allowed curry the next few days because you can turn your leftover like turkey. turkey curry. Yeah, yeah. I'm not banning it, but it's I'm, mm. I, you know, I'm. We don't have the power to ban it anyway. People can do it like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I'm a massive fan. We'll probably talk about this. Probably have a separate episode on this. But I, I'm a massive fan of of, of Christmas dinner. It's uh, like I said this to my kids the other day. And they just kind of looked at me as if to say, what? I normally crave the old pig in a blanket or we normally have kind of pork sandwiches with stuffing and gravy and a bit of crackling on Christmas Eve. I'm craving roast parsnips this year for some reason. Ooh. I don't know. I don't like yeah, parsnips. I know. I don't know what's happened to me, Dan. One more Christmas question before we move on uh, to the end of the show from Whelan82. He says, what goes on top of your Christmas tree, an angel or a star? Have you got your Christmas tree up yet? We have. 
you want to put a picture in to the episode, or are you are you comfortable can, doing that? I can, I can put a picture in. I've got to go on my meeting next, but I can put a picture in. Uh, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll send you a picture. Um, okay. we have an angel on the top. Yeah. We have a star. Yeah. So fifty fifty. We're going to put up another little Christmas tree in the back. So I'll, I don't know. I'll hedge my bets. I'm not sure what we've got for that. But uh, yeah, I'll send a picture. Okay, I'll put a picture of mine in as well. We've had all like, it's obviously Wilf's first Christmas. So we've had all the, the classic stuff this year, like a, a handprint on a bauble and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we've got all that on ours and different different decorations with either name on and stuff. But Star we've is, got, is um, When our kids, when my kids were young enough to go and see Santa, We've got like baubles from most through the years with them, you know, sitting Santa and family, you know, a family photo bauble. Uh, I think I've got this jumper on for every single, <laughs> every single one of them. Uh, one very quick thing, because I know you've got to go in a second. Uh, the, the the section of the show that everyone loves that we didn't do last week. Here's something I saw this week and wanted to talk about. My partner was just messaged me not long ago saying, is this real? And sent me a picture and I'm going to forward it to you. <laughs> I did see that. It's got to be some kind of photoshopping, isn't it? He's not. He's yeah, not he was wearing a massive caterpillar. Yeah, Ian Wright was wearing a huge coat uh, on ITV duty for whatever game he was doing in the week or last weekend. But he's since been photoshopped to make the coat bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's just messing me saying, is this real? And I just put, no, obviously not. Look at the size of his head. His head is tidy. I didn't know whether it was real or not because I've only seen the photoshop version. I haven't seen the original coat, but I did. I did think that I'm not sure he's going to be able to get in a car or or whatever or get through doors wearing that coat. But uh, look, yeah, my first thought was I need something like that from Villa Park this week because it's going to be absolutely freezing. So uh, if Ian Wright can uh, get in touch with where he got that coat from, I would uh, I'd love to get one. But that's it for this week. I know we've got to wrap up very quickly because you're you're on meeting after meeting. Just to do that, do you want to do the outro? Seeing as it's on, we're on your time now, do you want to wrap up for us while I have a cup of tea? You've been watching Claret and Blue, our question and answer, answer session. Um, we'll be back. We'll be back quite often this week, won't we? We'll definitely be back after the first three points on Wednesday night against Manchester City. And then we'll still be flying as high as a kite when we're back after the next three points against Arsenal. So come on, you Villa boys. <laughs>